0: I advise you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. Matthew, chapter 20. We're going to look for a few moments at the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. This parable is found only in Matthew. It's not in Mark, Luke, or John. A parable. What's a parable? It comes from two Greek words, para and balo, one meaning to be near, the other to throw or to put. So it came to mean to place side by side. And so some have defined a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's good as far as it goes, but doesn't go quite far enough. A parable in Scripture is an analogy using a common experience to teach a moral or religious truth. But with Jesus' parables, they were designed not only to reveal truth, but also to conceal truth. That is, it was not only an illustration of a truth, but also designed to cause questions, to bring even conviction to those who heard these parables. When he told a parable, they were not always clear to his disciples. They left quite often scratching their head and saying, what did he mean by that? Master, what did you mean? Can you explain more about that? So this is certainly going to be the case today, especially the element of surprise, which often comes in a parable. And we'll notice a couple of surprises as we go through this. Let me read it to you. First 16 verses, Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers from the vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. One of the most common protests in the English language we hear a lot about in our day is, that's not fair. Little children say that. Well, what's not fair? He got a bigger ice cream cone than I got. It's not fair. Or Christmas time. How come he got more gifts than I did? That's just not fair. Or a baseball game. The umpire calls the runner out at first base. And you know that he was clearly safe at first base. It's not fair that he was called out. And on and on we go. We hear about unfair labor practices, unfair wages, unfair profits, unfair taxes. Everyone deserves a fair share. hearing a lot about that in the political realm nowadays. How about this one? It just doesn't seem fair that God would send good people to eternal hell. That's not fair. So what does Jesus say about fairness in this passage? Let me retell the story that I just read to you again. Let's bring it up to modern terminology. A denarius, which is referred to a couple of times, was a day's wage. You earned a denarius for a full day's work. In Bible times. Well, I'm going to change that a little bit here. Let's say that the arrangement is going to be for $17 an hour. For 12 hours, that would be about $200. We're just kind of rounding it out here. So a somewhat wealthy vineyard owner goes out around 5 o'clock in the morning to hire some laborers to come and begin working for him at 6 o'clock, to work all the way up until 6 o'clock that evening out in his vineyard. A lot of work has to be done uh, digging and watering and pruning and harvesting and building terraces, caring for the soil, much work, much labor to be done. So he enters into a contract with some men to do that. And uh, everything is worked out, and they agree to this arrangement, $17 an hour, we work 12 hours, that'll be $200 for your day's work. These men are very happy to be uh, hired, to have a job. And so they gladly agree to that. And so the... Uh, Owner says, all right, let's, here's the contract here. Here's what it is. You agree to that? Yep. Okay. Sign your name right here. All right. If you start going around six o'clock and, uh, you'll be paid, uh, at the end of the day. So there's the arrangement. Well, it didn't take long, long for the owner to realize I need more workers. And so at nine o'clock that morning, he goes down to Home Depot where some men are standing around looking for a job. And he said, would well, you guys like to work? And yeah, we're looking for work. All right, come and work for me. And then after they start to work, still he needs more workers. So uh, around uh, noon, he goes out and gets more workers to come. And with these workers, as well as the guys that come at 9 o'clock and at 12 o'clock, he doesn't enter into any written agreement with them. He says, look, I'll be fair. I'll, be, I'll do what's good for you, and, and I'll give you a nice wage when you're finished. And they, by gentleman's agreement, uh, they agree to that. Well, work goes on, but it's getting late in the day. And Bible times, you know, when it got dark, it got dark. You had to finish your work by the time it reached that point. He still needed more workers. So at 5 o'clock, just one hour before closing time, he goes out and hires some others. And they come in, and they work for the one hour. Now, up to this point... Everything seems to make sense. Everything seems to be understandable. Hopefully I've made it understandable to you. This would be a typical time of of work and labor in Bible times. But it's exactly at this point that Jesus is going to give a couple of zingers here, a couple of surprises in his account. Look at verse 8. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first, beginning with the guys that work one hour and we will save the guys that work 12 hours for the end. Now, that usually was not done. It was usually the other way around. Here's the guys that have been there all day, pay them first, and finally you get down to the one-hour guys and say, here's your money, and then you close it off. So there's surprise number one. But a second surprise awaits. Verse 9, when those, when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received, bring up the modern term, each of them received $200. Only worked one hour. The owner gave them $200. were oh, they ever surprised. Wow, this is great. So that was a surprise. It's implied that the other workers here also received that amount, but they're not part of the story. We're now taken down to the 12-hour guys. Now, if we use our imagination a little bit, we can almost hear them thinking to themselves, wow, these guys that work one hour got $200. We work 12 hours. Let's see, 12 to 12. We're each going to get $2,400. Wow. It was worth Working that hard to get this, so here they are. And the foreman says, "Here you are. Here are your wages: $200 for you, $200 for you, $200." Two, Wait a minute! That's how much the one-hour guy got. That doesn't seem fair. Not at all. How unfair was that? So we can understand immediately why they waste no time in going to the master, to the owner of the vineyard grumbling and mumbling hey those guys that worked 1 hour got $200 we only got $200 and we worked all day we were in the heat of the day the sweat that we expended the hard labor and so on we only got $200 they don't deserve what they got and we deserve more money understandable seems fair their point How does the owner respond? I've done nothing wrong. Didn't you agree $200? Look, here it is. There's your signature. 12 hours of work, $200. Take your money and go. Be thankful I hired you. At least you got something. Don't I have the right to do what I want to It's my money. Don't I have the right to distribute it as I so choose? Oh, one more thing. Do you begrudge me my generosity? The Greek is actually this. Does your eye see evil because I am good? Is your problem you're jealous of the others? That you don't like my generosity to the others? And thus... Ends the story. So what sense does that make? Why did Jesus tell a story like this? What's his point? Whatever happened to an honest day's work means an honest day's pay. One reason many have been puzzled by this parable is this very familiarity with normal experiences. We're used to a system where you have to do something to get something. You have to put in your years at school so eventually you get your high school diploma or you go on to other work to get a college degree or whatever. You spend a lot of hours doing that. Those of you that want to get a driver's license, first of all, you have to learn how to drive a car. Perhaps your mom or dad help you with that. And then you have to study the manual to know the rules of the road. So you do all that. Then you've got to take a test and find that the great day comes when they say you passed. Oh, great. You did something to get that. Same way with a medal or a trophy in sports. You have to accomplish something to get that. Yet here's Jesus in this story, turning everything upside down. But on top of all this, what in the world does this story have to do with the gospel? Ah, it has a lot to do with it. First of all, we need to see this story in its context. What do we mean by context? It means verses before and after. I had a professor in college who once told about how not to do Scripture, You don't reach into the Bible and tear it torn and bleeding from context. (laughs) Illustration kind of being you don't reach into a body and rip out a part to take a look at it. Why? Because every part of our body is connected with every other part of the body. So in Scripture, any one verse or one passage like our parable today is related to the rest of Scripture, but particularly its immediate context. Notice verse 16, the, the kind of the tag to the story. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now there's a the real heart of the parable. Don't miss that. Christ was using this story to illustrate a point in a very unusual way. Now go to the last verse of the preceding chapter, chapter 19, end of verse, or verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now the order is reversed there a little bit because in verse 16 of chapter 20, the emphasis was to be that the last became first. The guys who worked at 5 o'clock employed last over against the first guys who were there all day. But the same idea is there. Christ is saying, in effect, do not be among the first who become the last. Avoid the work-for-wages spirit with respect to my kingdom and spiritual matters. And as you do this, be far removed from any envy or pride. Now we can go back further into the 19th chapter and find a little more context here. What do we find in verses 16 and following? The story of the rich young ruler. But I'm not going to talk about him. We want to notice the disciples' reaction. First of all, verse 23. Jesus said to His disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved if a rich man... Like this young man who just walked away from you with all of his wonderful abilities and qualities and character, if he turned away from you, if he can't come into your kingdom, who in the world is ever going to be able to come into the kingdom? So they were puzzled by that. Jesus, verse 26, said, With man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. So then Peter, the spokesman, he said, Well, uh, Master, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Compare us to this man who walked away. He didn't serve you at all. We've been, we've been serving you. We've given up some things. We've been doing a pretty good job of it. What, what are we going to get out of this? And That's the spirit that Jesus is trying to deal with, with the parable, the vineyards, and the labor. Peter seems to have a good point. seems to be fair that they would get more than that young man who walked away. There's an assumption in Peter's question that divine blessings are like commercial commercial, uh, commodities acquired in proportion to what one lays on the counter. Look, Lord, this is what I've done. Look how good I have been in the church. I come to church pretty regularly, and I I give money, and I do all these wonderful things things? Lord, that must count for something, right? Well, Christ picked up on this bargaining spirit, which considers deal-making with Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Jesus says to His disciples, listen, men, the kingdom of heaven is not like that. Any deal-making is entirely out of place. You're comparing yourself to that young man who just walked away. You're saying, surely we're better than he is. Surely we deserve more than he would ever get. So let me tell you what my kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. This parable tells us much about what God is like. First of all, it talks about God's sovereignty. He is the master pictured in the parable. He is the Lord. He's the king. He's the ruler. He is our creator. He's your creator. He's my creator. We're about God here. He accomplishes all that He has determined to do in the way He intends to do it. In the matter of salvation of deliverance from our sins, He initiates it. He doesn't wait around for you to take the first step, otherwise you would make it. Never take the first step because you were born dead in your sin. The Lord has to first work in the heart. So in the story, the master takes the initiative and goes out to get people to work in his vineyard. Whom he chooses to bring into and work in this kingdom, and where he places them, that's up to him. And he uses a variety of people in a variety of circumstances for a variety of tasks. We're not all in a cookie-cutter way. We're all different. So if he chooses some believers for short-time labor with many blessings, and he chooses others for long-time labor without as many blessings, that's up to his sovereign choice and sovereign good will. He has placed you and me where He has chosen. He has given us certain abilities, certain gifts. We aren't all the same. And so we need to praise Him and thank Him for that. Secondly, the parable says something about His rewards. This parable is about rewards. The one-hour guy received his award. The other men, the nine the 12 and the 3 o'clock men, they receive their rewards, and even the 12-hour guys receive their rewards according to the agreement they had made. Now, this sometimes poses a problem when we think about God rewarding people. Isn't salvation by faith alone through grace alone? Yes, it is. Isn't it truth that we cannot earn our way into eternal life? That's correct. But God most wonderfully speaks in Scripture about rewarding His people. So the idea of reward is an accommodation to help us understand the truth of passages like chapter 19, verses 28-29. Look at those verses. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for My name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? That sounds like a wonderful promise that God has made to His people. Also, look over in Luke chapter 12. Verses 42 through 44. The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant who his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Keep in mind that these men in the story received a reward they neither expected nor deserved. The one-hour guys certainly didn't expect $200 for their one-hour work. The others didn't either. And even the 12-hour guys didn't expect what they got. They thought they were going to get more. It's up to the Lord and his sovereign choice. In terms of the parable, they were distributed in the evening. Logical time when they'd done the whole day's work. It was getting dark. And so the payment is made. I think that's a picture of the final judgment, which is not always a negative picture. We must not think of the final judgment as negative, but for God's people, it is going to be a glorious time, a time when He is going to reward us, according to His sovereign choice and good pleasure, based upon His wonderful standards. Yet the joy that we each have will be complete. We won't be jealous in heaven because somebody got more than somebody else got. You see, the Lord is not concerned with only what we do, but how we do it. Not only with how much we accomplish, but why we labored and the spirit with which we labored in His vineyard. 2 John 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. So that's an interesting topic. I can't go into it more. But there is such a thing as divine rewards for God's people. So He is sovereign. We learned that in this parable. We learned about His rewards. Now, the third thing is His grace. The undeserved favor that He shows towards sinners like us. You see, what especially captures our attention in this story are the surprising actions of the master. When Jesus first told this, I'm sure the disciples thought, wow, what is he saying here? I mean, the guys that only worked one hour, they got a full what day's wage? And the guys there were 12 hours, they got the same amount? That doesn't seem to make, make sense. We are used to one who works the longest, receiving the most pay. Several years ago, I worked in the Eugene Post Office for over Christmas holidays, and the post office had promised to the regular workers, not the payons like myself, but the regular workers, triple time if they worked like from about six o'clock in the evening to six o'clock in the morning. That's a pretty good wage, huh? Triple time. I remember this one guy, he was dead on his feet. But I'm you, he just kept going and going and going. He wanted that triple time pay. And so I thought to myself, he's he's earning it. He's earning it there. But in the kingdom of the Lord, it doesn't work that way. We receive God's undeserved favor to us. Romans 6.23 is known by many of you, for the wages of sin is what? Death. It's what we earn, what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's something we can only receive. And at the heart of the gospel is this wonderful truth, the Lord is not going to be fair at the final judgment. Because if God was fair at the final judgment, none of us would ever get to heaven because we deserve only eternal condemnation. We were born with the guilt of Adam's sin in our hearts. We know all the things we've done in rebellion against God, how much we failed them over and over and over again. Thankfully, at the final judgment, God's not going to judge us uh, whether it be, it's fair or not, whether we earned anything. We can only rest upon the work of Jesus on our behalf, that perfect righteousness credited to us, received by faith alone. Perhaps you've heard the story of a lady, rather unattractive lady, who went to a beauty store and she said to the beautician, she said, I'd like you to do something to do justice to my face. And somebody standing by said, that poor lady doesn't need justice, she needs mercy. What is justice? Getting what we deserve. What is mercy? Not getting what we deserve. What is grace? Getting what we don't deserve. You and I, deserve nothing from the Lord. But if you're a believer, you know how much He has given to you, as I realize how much God has given to me. Some of you have been serving the Lord for a very long time, many, many years. You're 12-hour people. Some of you are 3 o'clock in the afternoon people. Some are 9 o'clock in the morning people. And some maybe are 5 o'clock in the afternoon people, fairly new to the Christian faith. Looking around at newer or more outgoing believers, there may be times you're tempted to cry, how come they get more acclamation? How come more people seem to honor them? How people more aware of what they are doing and not what I'm doing? I'm often ignored in what I'm doing. Unfair! Unfair! Beware of that prideful spirit. God will do what is right. He is more than fair, never forgetful of any labor of love for Him. Remember, the evening is coming. The evening is coming. So let's keep busy and active, yet always aware that whatever we receive, materially, physically, and surely spiritually, we are getting what we don't deserve. I hope your trust and faith is in Jesus Christ and you have received the wonderful gift that's offered to you free to give you eternal life